God every day. Every day. Every day. I will spend time with God. I will pray. I will pray. 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 I will pray. I will be holy. I will be holy. 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 I will be holy. I will be holy. I will fulfill God's purpose for me and my generation. My generation. My generation. I will fulfill God's purpose. God's purpose for my generation. For me and my generation. My generation. I will live the vow. Thousands of kids across the country have taken the desperation vow. The nature of the furnace, each one of you that are in this program, is to not only live the vow, but to be heralders of it. To live a lifestyle to, to, that, that declares it. And so my hope and my prayer is that when we go and do these tours, like what we just saw, that, that each one of you are examples of, of literally shining lights in a dark generation. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about one of the things that, it, that we're, we're in the midst of talking about, consecrated heart. It's the third point in the vow. Each one of you have taken this vow, and it's our desire that we all help each other live it. And there's nothing magical about the vow other than this. The only thing, the only reason we do it is sometimes when you don't aim for anything, you don't go anywhere. But if you aim for something and you get comrades, what I call marvelous comrades, around you, it helps you fulfill the goals that you want to fulfill. And so one of the, one of the areas is consecrated heart. And so you've all already signed this. I want to read to you what it says, consecrated heart. I'm echoing uh, what Tyrell did last week. God wants me to be holy. He is holy and perfect. My choices matter to God. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, I choose to bend my life around God so that my daily choices reflect Him. In view of that, I vow to fast something one day per week. This fast will serve as a living reminder to forego earthly things and to feed, say feed, and to feed upon God. My talk tonight is called Feed Upon God. Our aim is that each one of you, out of a statement of love for God, says that I'm going to voluntarily forego something every week. One day a week, some of you will do more, some of you will do less. Some of you will do difficult things, some of you will do easy things. Some of you will forego food, and some of you will forego wearing a beanie. I mean, you, all, there's all kinds of different things on what you'll forego. And we're not about to tell you this is what we want you to do. What we're aiming at is your heart, and we want you to take a baby step in the right direction into a fasted lifestyle, into a lifestyle of voluntarily foregoing some very legitimate things, some things that in, in American culture... Everybody does, everybody has, people that don't are a little bit nuts and crazy, but you are, according to the scriptures, a resident alien, you are someone whose home is not here, and so you're someone that chooses to voluntarily forego much of the earth for the sake of the kingdom. And so tonight, I want to talk to you about that one little phrase, that one little idea in this consecrated heart of fasting, of fasting uh, for the sake, for the sake of growing closer and closer to Jesus. For the sake of your heart, even what we were praying earlier, being tenderized before God. And so each one of you has been placed in an accountability group. And it's our hope, it's our prayer, not that we look at each other in accountability groups and in a legalistic, judgmental way, beat each other up like with a wooden gavel over the head in rage and anger and legalism. But out of love for God, that burning hearts come together in accountability groups and encourage and equip and challenge and have grace and help each other to fast. So every single one of you are in a group. 
every single one of you have people that are comrades to encourage you and to help you. And so I want to start tonight reading out of Matthew 6. This is Jesus talking. Verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. That's interesting. In full. In totality. Like nothing more. That's all they get. Just remember that. That's intriguing. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So it's really interesting thing here because Jesus says, when you fast. Now, if we were to take that and place that into our culture, 2009, more churches in America than there are fast food restaurants. So you have a culture where church exists in abundance, and you were to take that and say, all right, no, that's a true statement. The other is like, is that true? Yeah, that's true. All right. Now you have a church culture. I think Dan named me. Is she making that up? Or is, it true? Is, there more, is there more Methodists than there are McDonald's? I don't know. Is it making it up? But no, that's true. We have lots and lots of churches, and because we have lots of churches, which is good, we want lots of churches, but the reality is, is that if you were to just kind of survey people across America that are, that are church people, this idea would get muddled a little bit because there's a little bit of reaction when we talk about fasting. But when Jesus, when Jesus talks here, this is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I want to encourage you, if you become an expert in any part of the scriptures, become an expert in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If there is anything, when you're having a dark day and you don't know where to go, I know most of you go to Song of Solomon, but add to that... Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 and just read about what Jesus says we ought to live like. But anyway, here in Matthew 6, 16, he says, when you fast, when you fast, it's an assumption. Say this, fasting is assumed. So Jesus says, when you, he doesn't say if you fast, he says when you fast. He doesn't say if you want to be really radical and way better than everybody else in your church and you really want a new way. And if you want to really feel like a Pharisee, and if you really want... No. He didn't say, hey, if, if you really are desperate for something from God and you want to barter you know, with God every once in a while because something tragic is happening in your life. No. He doesn't say, you know, if you're a really strange person that's born without the desire to eat and you're kind of strange on the planet. No. Here's what it is. You're a disciple of Jesus. You're a Christ follower. When you fast. When you fast. And he just starts off, when you fast. And the reason why I went hill now is because those are some of the excuses I often hear. All right? And when I say excuses, I'm not saying that in a uh, judgmental way. But when there's dialogue about encouraging and helping each other in this journey towards Christ, one of the very clear tools that Jesus gives us is this idea of fasting. It's one of the things that's in the Old Testament. It's one of the things in the New Testament. It exists in church, in, er, in the early church. It exists all throughout church history. And one of the things most neglected is the discipline of fasting. And so I'll, over and over again, as I have dialogue with people, there's things like that. There's people that will say things like, well, I don't have the grace to fast. God didn't give that to me. He gave that to someone else, but not to me. Okay, as if not eating is, is easy for anyone, right? Or there'll be ideas of, um, you know, you know, Dan, Dan, and you know, Tyrell. They're so radical because they fast. As for me, 
and, you know, normal Christianity. That's not true. Normal Christianity, normal Christianity should be fasting. All right? Now, I understand. Let me put a, a clause in here. There are some people that because of health, you know, you, you got issues with blood sugar and all kinds of things that, that I, I don't even know about. But I'm talking about the healthy person that has the capacity to fast. Um, it should be a part of our normal Christian journey. And so Jesus says here, when you fast. And it's interesting because Jesus fasted. So in Matthew uh, chapter 4, it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was hungry. <laughs> all right? No duh. All right? He was fully man. All right? So Jesus fasts. Then we find, all throughout the Old Testament, we find fasting. Uh, Moses fasted for 40 days in Exodus 24. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah fasted for 40 days. In Daniel 1, Daniel fasts for Revelation. In Luke 2, Anna fasts. In Esther 4, you should be writing these down. This isn't church. This is discipleship program. All right? Are you with me? You got your pens out? Come on, suckers. Are you with me? This ain't church. This ain't church. This is a radical collegiate house of prayer transforming people to change the world. Come on. Are you with me? Don't look at me like I'm nuts. You're the one that paid us to make you pray. Come on now. All right. If you're with me, take notes. Here we go. Uh, Luke 2, Anna fasted. Esther four, er, in Esther 4, Esther fasted. In 1 Samuel 1, Hannah fasts. In 2 Samuel 12, David fasts. In Ezra 9, Ezra fasts. In Nehemiah 1, Nehemiah fasts. In Matthew 11, John the Baptist, the precursor, you know, right before Jesus, he comes before Jesus declaring that Jesus is on his way, and, and John the Baptist is fasting. John the Baptist's disciples fast. You get the picture? All throughout the Old Testament. Then in the New Testament, you find it. Acts 13, 1. The church in Antioch, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menean, uh, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, say fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for, me, uh, for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Acts chapter 9, Paul fasts for three days. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius fast. So we find Old Testament fasting. We find Jesus fasting. We find New Testament people fasting. We find the early church fasting. Church history, there's been people fasting ever since. All throughout church history, there's been people that have been fasting. One of my favorites is John Wesley. John Wesley, he, uh, he and his buddy George Whitfield, they helped lead the great revivals in England. And then they came across here to the United States and helped lead the Great Awakening. There, uh, we talked about, I talked to this this semester to you before about John Wesley, he, he and his boys would, uh, would literally get on horses and preach all over America. I mean, literally, and they would preach multiple times a day. So for like 60 years, John Wesley was preaching. He was raising up other men. They called them circuit riders. And they would go and they would preach, and they would go preach in churches. They'd go preach in cities all over the country. And they'd preach multiple times a day, ride horseback, and they would fast two days a week. Two days a week, just like clockwork, that was part of what it meant to be a circuit rider. Can you imagine what cool life that is? I, I mean, I just, like me and Tyrell, we would have fit back then, you know, like, woohoo! You could be Whitfield and I'd be Wesley, because Wesley was five foot three. So, but anyway, and so it's kind of like John Wayne for Jesus, except you're a midget. But, uh, but anyway, so, 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 but, but all throughout church history, you find people with a systematic, regular approach to and so, people throughout church history fast, people today fast. And you go, thanks, David. No, really, you need to hear this. The 
bottom line is, is that you have across the country today, in America, across the world, you have teenagers that fast, you have college kids that fast, you have churches that do extended day fast, churches that all together do a 21 day fast, churches that do 40 day fast, you have pastors that are doing 40 day fast today, you have businessmen that are fasting, you have some guys that are doing it three days per week, you have, one, you have some people that are doing two days a week, some people that are doing one day a week, some people that uh, regularly start off the year in a fast, some people that do uh, fasting as youth groups, as churches, as friends, Long fast, short fast, water fasts, uh, fruits and vegetable fast, fasting television, fasting all kinds of different things. And the reason why I'm telling you that is because here's the thing. Everybody who's read Matthew 6 knows that Jesus says that there's great reward if it's a secret. So if nobody tells, hey, this is kind of actually going on, then nobody knows this is actually happening. This is actually happening. And everybody that wants a spiritual reward, everybody wants a reward in heaven, they're not telling you because they're fasting. But let me tell you this. All across America, there's people that are fasting. All across the world, there's people that are fasting. When we went to India, one of the most powerful moments of my life was inter interviewing a 26-year-old female pastor in India who says the secret to her ministry was prayer and fasting. Fasting is taking place. Fasting isn't for the spiritually pious, great people. Fasting takes place among normal Christianity. And the great thrill and the great secret is for the secret is that we don't do it you don't do it. They don't do it. For the applause of man. But it's for our Father who sees what is done in secret and he will reward you. And that's, that's the big point. Fasting is for God's eyes, not man's. Fasting's for God's eyes. And so Jesus isn't angry with the Pharisees uh, because they fast. He's angry and irritated because they fast in order to be seen by men. And so here, when Jesus is talking, he says, I, I, I want people to fast. He's going to say that when he leaves, his disciples will fast. He wants us to literally long to impress our Father. He coaches them to, to fast. When you fast, he wants people to fast. The Pharisees at the time are fasting specifically because they want to be seen. And so sometimes we err when we think, well, Jesus belittled fasting. Jesus didn't belittle fasting. Jesus was a person that fasted. Jesus uh, talked that his disciples would fast. Jesus gave instruction in the big Sermon on the Mount, the moment where he's kind of, you know, making his epic statements that gets recorded, and he it gives the middle part of Matthew 6 to fasting. And so I'm, I'm, I'm saying that as a little bit of rebuttal because people often say that Jesus kind of belittled it, and he really didn't. Jesus really talks a lot about fasting. And Jesus is the example of fasting. In fasting, we gain an eternal approval of God. God's eternal approval. And we want it to be secret because we don't want to give in to just man's reward. That's why, that, that's why we don't make, that's why we don't, you don't talk about it. You don't like show it off. You don't like walk around with the Jamba Juice all the time. You know, saying, what's up, man? I'm fasting. What are you doing? You know, like. The, 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 the whole idea of fasting, and, and the issue is not even that it's kept a secret. The issue is the motive of the heart, right? You with me on that? The issue is the motive of the heart, all right? But uh, the big idea here is, is that it's very easy to slip into trying to be pious and impress people. One of the things I've found, though, in that day, in that Jewish culture, obviously that was common. You know, there was a reward for that. There was a, wow, look at him. I would say in our culture, if you fast, 
in the secular culture, you're perceived as strange and weird and crazy. All right? So if you are working at Ted's Montana Grill, and you are, this is an example, because uh, Austin's right here. If you are, and you're, and you're fasting, and let's say you're, you're fasting, and, and you were to, like, explain that to people, people probably at Ted's Montana Grill, I'm guessing, wouldn't look at you and be like, dude, that's awesome. Whoa. Amazing Christian man of God. You know, he man. Or, you know, instead, they'd go, you're crazy. You're a freak. You're a little weird. And then I would say that even in our church culture, in our church culture, if there's fasting and it's become public about it, most of the time, people don't look at you and go, oh, that's awesome, that's amazing. They go, who do you think you are? All right? Because it's so low, the level of fasting is so low in, in church today. And so, inherent in this is this. We don't do any of this before men. You're going to probably be mocked no matter where you go, no matter what, no matter how this fasting thing turns out for you. The motive of the heart is to please God. You're not going to be applauded in secular. You're not going to probably be applauded much in church. All right? And that's fine. Your goal is not to please man. Your goal is to please God. Your goal is to please Him. Your goal is reward from Him. And so I want you to be, just cap, kind of catch this idea. Why, well, why, why would we fast? And this is the phrase I want you to just walk away with tonight. This idea. Your Father who sees what is done will reward you. Now, the kind of person that joins the furnace and hangs out here in prayer meetings, goes and prays in the prayer room, uh, moves here, the kind of, you're not the kind of people that are asking the question, how little can I do and make it into heaven? The, the kind of person that shows up here and gives Dan and Amy Perkins 800 bucks to make you pray for a year, all right? That kind of person is the person that's saying, God, how much can I give? How devoted can I be? How, 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 how much can I look like Jesus? How much? God, give me strength. Help me. And so to those kinds of people, I offer you this verse tonight. It says, your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You'll be rewarded. In heaven, for sure. Undoubtedly. Yes. But I say on earth as well. Undoubtedly, to the person that fasts in secret. And by secret, the motive is God. And let me just make clear. People are going to find out. All right? That's not like in secret, like nobody finds out. Just the way that fasting works. I'm just telling you, when you're sitting there with five guys and fries for your staff meeting, and they're like, what are you doing? You're like, uh, I'm not hungry, ever. <laughs> it's just, I don't, I don't, and then you're like lying and losing all your reward. I'm, I don't have any money. And, you know, don't do that. People are going to figure it out, okay? And so the, the essence of this is not that people don't figure you out. The essence is your heart and your motive. Is I'm doing this to please my father. Doing this for his okay. Now here's the thing: you will be rewarded in heaven, undoubtedly. We're talking when you die, and you're with Jesus, or maybe if Jesus returns for us before you die, undoubtedly there will be rewards. And and Corinthians says that. Corinthians says that there's 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 a judgment, um, 
there's a judgment in terms of salvation, but then there's also a judgment for Christians based upon rewards. And so everybody's going to be rewarded based upon how they live as those people that have said yes to the finished work of the cross. All right? Okay, so there's going to be those rewards. But in addition to that, what fasting does, God actually, on earth, there are some rewards we will see one day that God gave us greater strength while we're on the earth. Hebrews 11.6 says, uh, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards. Say rewards. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now here's, here's my point tonight. If there is a reward, we want it. If there is a reward in any capacity, Think about actually, think about how big a reward from God is. And here's what you have to do. You have to not eat and pray. It's actually pretty easy. I mean, think about that. It's not like, hey, um, you know, evangelize this Uga Booga tribe by tomorrow. No. But there's an actual a reward. I mean, a tangible reward right now. And so I, I, my hope is that for us, that we take that and we go, we're just like kids in a candy store, you know, going, if there's a reward from God, I want it. And one of the things that I've found in our culture, we don't respond very well to rewards because we have so much. So you grew up and you're the kid that got a, re a, a treat, you know, every time that you did something well, you're the kid that got the trophy in soccer even though your team lost every game and you were horrible because everybody gets a trophy in America and so we don't have this value system for rewards but if you're desperate and you're broken and you're neat I mean there's a value for rewards there is a reward that some people will not receive it's not the, the second grade soccer trophy system you gain it for eternity based upon the way you live it's not Ali Ali all set free, everybody gets it, it's all even, Stephen. No. There will be people with crowns and rewards in heaven based upon how they live in their little 70, 80, 90 years on the earth. If there are rewards available, why not you? If there are rewards available, this is the tribe that's salivating and saying, God, if it's available, I want it. God, if it's available, give me the strength to gain it. Um, and one of the things, too, that we find, it's just, if you just take Jesus' phrase here, where Jesus says that there's going to be a reward for those. Jesus isn't the kind of person that kind of over-promises and under-delivers. Have you noticed that? Jesus is the kind of person that's kind of like, if you catch it, you catch a golden nugget, and there's going to be a great reward. Jesus is the person that kind of hints, hints at it, and then big time over-delivers. He's the kind of person that goes, the Son of Man will die, and then it's like the hinge of history based upon the cross. He's whipped, he's beaten, and forever saves humanity through that death, if not just, and he will suffer, you know, in Jerusalem. It is holy smokes. That crucifixion moment, that, that really was a big deal. Jesus is the one that says, you give them something to eat to the disciples when they're about to feed the 5,000, and boom, massive, huge, 
unending bread and fish, <laughs> right? Kind of just a, you give him something to eat. There it is, all right? Jesus is the one that said, now you go into the world and make disciples of all nations. And yay, 2,000 years later, the church is advancing with strength. And 2,000 years later, we have churches all over the world and people are coming to Jesus like crazy. And you, you hear what I'm saying? So this little phrase, there's great, there's, there's reward. Who will reward? If the duration of the reward is for eternity and the giver of the reward is the creator, we do well to consider that, bold it, print it, you know, highlight it, make it a big deal. There's great reward. I think um, I want to give you just a few more ideas of how fasting helps us. Fasting is a demonstration of your spiritual hunger. And so when you fast, you're voluntarily giving up something you love for something you love more. In other words, people always say, fasting doesn't come easy for me. I, and they, I, they just kind of check out on that. And they go, I guess I don't have the grace for that or I'm not good at that. Let's not go there. Fasting is very legitimate from Jesus. We've got it. It's written. It's in the canon. Let's take it. Let's mark it. And fasting is something where you give up something you love for something you love more. So you really do love Buffalo Wild Wings, but you love a spirit of wisdom and revelation on your heart more. So you really do love chilies and chipotle, but you love a spirit of might in your inner man more. So you deep down, deep down, I mean, in your heart, you really do love Cold Stone, but you love miracles of God working in the life of a friend even more. So fasting, it's not just like, hey, I have a gift for it. No, it's not, it's not a gift. Heard people say that. I don't have the gift of fasting. I'm like, neither do I. It's not a gift. All right? Nobody has the gift of fasting. All right? Um, but when, but, but, uh, sp spiritually hungry people can't help but fast. Because it increases your capacity to receive more from God. It just, it's like, oh, it's like a target. It's like, it's like, you're just voluntarily opening up your heart and saying, Holy Spirit, come and get me. Does that make sense? And you're voluntarily foregoing your flesh, which it does go back into the ground. I mean, you know, it is your flesh. And you're saying, I want my spirit man to be alive. I want my spirit man to soar. I want, I want my heart alive on the inside. Um, fasting is an invitation. God desires for you to know him more, and he's given you a method by which if you choose it, you, you choose voluntary weakness in order to gain spiritual strength. So it's, it's, and it's, so it's a paradox. It's physical weakness, but it's spiritual strength. Okay? So you, you, you choose for a season to live with less mental capacity, less physical, and trust me, and a lot of people say, well, I don't want to do it because I want to be, you know, I want to have my brain and my wits and everything and my, my body strong for whatever God's called me to do that day. I understand that, and that, that's logical. That, makes, that does make sense. And there, is a, there are days where you may need to eat. <laughs> We're not talking about every day. But find a day where you don't have to be 
where you, where, where you don't have to be that, where you can say, okay, outwardly, it just looks like I'm going through my normal day, but inwardly, I'm alive on the inside, inwardly, I'm, I'm fasting, I'm choosing strength, all right? Fasting is God's gift to us. It's really a gift. And so many people think it's a mean mandate. Jesus is mean for telling us to fast. When I said that earlier, when you fast, some of you thought, ooh, Scrooge Jesus, you know? That's such a mean thing to do. He made me with a tummy, and yet he won't let me use it. Ah! He's a mean God. Sorry, it's evident I have three children under five. Nobody says tummy here. So. All right, but here's the reality. Is fasting is, is really a gift because it's, it's, it's God saying, all right, James 4, 8, draw near to me, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. Do you want to draw near to me? Do you want to, it's, 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 here's a, fasting is an accelerator. It opens you up spiritually. It's not a restraint. All right, it's not a, it's not a make my life miserable because I have a mean God, and I don't know why he made me do this, but I still want to go to heaven, so I got to do it. No, it's an accelerator. It's like it opens up your heart, opens, opens you up so that the word of God comes alive. And here's the thing. You don't always, it's not, um, it's not immediate. It's not like, I'm fasting so I feel God. All right? No. It's, it's, it's just like a, a deposit. It's just like, God, I got 365 days times 70 years on the earth. And God, I'm going to take this day and this day to set aside, consecrate it. One of the ways that I want to demonstrate to you that I love you, I delight in you, is I'm going to voluntarily choose to forego whatever it is. Food all the way to you know, apple jacks or vitamins or whatever you're giving up, you know, for the cause of Christ. <laughs> you know, but where you, you voluntarily choose this thing, all right? So... Fasting is also, it's worship. Romans 12 says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. He says, God, you created me with a body. I have a very real physical hunger. I live in the fattest country in the history of the world because we have so much. But God, I choose you. No other country in the history of the world has had as many buffets and, you know, Go large, you know, supersize it meals. But God, in the midst of that culture, I'm going to voluntarily forego, go without it, for the sake of softening up my heart. All right? My, my life, my, my, my body, everything, I want to be worshipped to you. Let me give you a few practical things that um, here in the furnace we've learned the hard way. Um, and so as, we, as we've had people, uh, tried to have a, a culture of fasting over the years, with college students. There's a few unique things. Number one is this. There's no failing in fasting. Uh, anytime that you say, I'm going to aim for something and fall short, there's the temptation to feel ashamed and for you to start to claim that it's legalism. All right? Just wipe that away. There's no failing in fasting. So, if Tyrell says, I'm going to aim to go all day tomorrow without eating buffalo wild wings, and then at 3 p.m., he breaks down leaves his office, he runs down, and he's eaten all he can by himself <clears throat> with expectation for, you know, football, for, for football to start, all right, here's the deal. We don't take that and go, Tyrell, you 
and I lose it? Pathetic. You failed in fasting. Check out just, you'll never, you'll never be it, all right? Instead, here's the idea. If every, in anything else that you do, where you're trying to learn to pray, where you're trying to study the scriptures, if it's kind of like if you strike out, you don't just throw it out, throw the baby out. You just, you keep trying, right? So for some reason with fasting, people try it a couple times, and then they're like, it's not for me. And I'm just, I can't do it. I just, and they get, get really defeated really easily. And I'm going to say this, all right? Whatever you're fasting, if, if you try a few times and you just can't hit it, all right, I'm, I'm going to say this, lower the bar. Fasting can get really easy. If you go, hey, for this day, I'm going to go without any Twinkies. And that's it. That's my win. You know, God, I love Twinkies. I've seen you eat them a lot. And today, I'm going without Twinkies. And you just make it for a day. That, it's a small win, but it's a win. Does that make sense? And the, 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 it has nothing to do with the actual flour and sugar intake. It's everything about your heart, right? So it's a small victory. It's a baby step. It's like, what about Bob, right? It's just a baby step. All right? I don't know where that came from, but. All right, baby steps to Jesus. Here we go. All right, so, all right, and then, and then if, if you say, all right, I'm going to aim, I'm going to aim for uh, two days without Twinkies, or you go, I'm going to go one day, and I'm going to go no ho-hos, no Twinkies, and no pumpkin pie, or you take it up to sweets, and just, but just gradually up the bar a little bit. Does that make sense? All right, and I'm, I'm totally not even joking. Some of you think I'm totally, I'm totally not. I know so many people that they, the whole category, they've just checked out because they tie emotional pain to the category. So they call it legalism, and because they weren't, you know, because they, they feel like they failed. So here's what I'm saying. Just throw that out. Everybody, everybody, some degree, has to mature in every area. Just let fasting be an area that you gradually mature in. All right? So some of you may not even be food. Some of you, you may give up Nintendo and the King of Queens for a day. All right? Because that's what you do at night. All right? But you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't even have to be food. But where you voluntarily say, God... I love you more than these things, and I'm going to choose to go without them. And here's the, it's like a secret journey in God that's going on with you and God. Nobody else needs to know about it, all right? So, like, for example, if I, if I were to give my brother, uh, this has never happened, but if I were to give him a really big gift, all right, <laughs> a really good one, all right, there might be great strength if it's just, I don't publicize it, I don't make a big deal about it, but just... It has greater value if it's just between me and him, but he knows I know I, all right? Or, uh, or Renata, all right? If I want to give Renata, you know, a great gift, a part of the nature of our friendship, our relationship, our marriage is that, hey, I'm not going to, like, tell everybody that I got you flowers. I'm not going to tell everybody that, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't have any more ideas, but, the, but that, all right? The strength is when it's just between her and I, all right? And there is some value. The, the fun thing about fasting is that it can be just about you and Jesus and, and nobody else knows. That's just you saying, God, I really, really love shopping. And I'm going to go without it for this season of my life just because. So it doesn't even have to be food. Does that make sense? Um, there have been some seasons in my life where, where and I'm, I'm just being really vulnerable with you guys tonight. I just want you to get this. Where I have chosen some things to not do. And I just chalked it up as, oh, I'm just kind of, a, I'm just kind of weird. I'm just kind of a nerd. Just kind of, you know. And you don't, even, you don't give any explanation. But you know in a prayer moment between you and God, it was you saying, God, 
this thing in my life, I'm just going to give it up because I want to take that seed to go deeper in Jesus. All right? Or just to say, or maybe it's not a, it's something that requires time. Maybe it's something that requires dollars. In order to give dollars unto God as a way, because that's in a sense giving, you know, foregoing some legitimate stuff. All right? It could be in terms of the realm of finance. But you're saying, God, in my relationship with you, I want to start this, in, this journey, this invitation to be a man that fasts, to be a woman that fasts. And, I'm, and nobody else will know about it. Nobody else. But between you and I, you and I know. Um, I, I, I've, I've known of, I mean, I've had friends that after seven years, seven years of something that they're fasting, I find out seven years later, they've been voluntarily forgoing this, and just in a prayer time, you know, I find out about it, and that for seven years, for seven years they go without this thing in order to remind them to pray, and actually took the time that everybody else spends that time, and it's just this normal thing, but they spent it as a season of, of prayer, as a, as a way to open up time to pray, which I love what Louis Engel always says. He always says, uh, Fasting without prayer, or let me, let me remember this. Fasting without prayer is just a diet, you know? And so, yeah. Fasting without prayer is merely a diet. All right. So, so the idea here is, is to actually, actually, we're not just kind of giving up things. We're actually choosing in that space that we've created, that window of time to pray. All right? Are you with me? Okay, fasting really is, it's, it's, it's. It's God's gift, and there's no failing at fasting. Just, just, just get started. All right. One of the th- one, I remember one time early years of the furnace, um, we were we had a fasting retreat, and um, this kid was like dying. I mean, he hated it. We don't do those anymore because <laughs> it was just pain everywhere. Most miserable weekend of our lives. But, but this kid was just like absolutely dying. So some of us went and got a blender at Walmart and uh, went got a Big Mac meal at McDonald's and uh, brought it to the room, put the burger, the Big Mac, the fries, poured the Coke in, blended it all up. And you know those pixie stick straws, like the huge ones from Walmart? And dumped the sugar out, and then he just, you know, he just sucked it down. The whole, I mean, it was like brown, it was fries, Big Mac. He sucked the whole thing down. And I just looked at everybody and said, there's no failing of fasting. This counts before God. You know, this is what all the guy can do right now, all right? <laughs> and uh, I just tell you that story just, to, just for fun, just to say, listen, as, as, uh, it really, you, there really can be a culture of just, I'm going to just try something. Because that kid was about to feel like, here's the point, that kid was about to feel like everybody else can do this. I can't. I'm dying. I'm miserable. I'm, he, was about, he was actually telling me he was going to go break it without any, you know. And this was just a way of saying, hey. At least you ate a blended value meal, right? Okay? Some guys, some guys, you know, start off and they're like, you know, carrying around jugs of orange, uh, jugs of orange juice or sucking down milkshakes all day long. And I, he, the only person who's going to judge all of this is God. And if God sees, if God sees one guy on a water fast that's so proud and dropping, dropping bombs everywhere, telling everybody that he's fasting, they've lost it. Or the guy who really, it's really hard, and he's, you know, sucking down milkshakes all day long, but it's, all, it's the best he can do, and it's all for Jesus and in secret, that guy gets more reward. Does that make sense? 
And so that's just straight up. That's just straight up the way that Jesus talks. Jesus straight up says, the reward is what's done in secret. It's all about the motive of the heart. So I don't care what you have to do. I, I'm not here to, to try to tell you that you've got to do food or that you've got to do Nintendo or that you've got to get... But I want to encourage you to do something. Do something. And if, if, if Austin Brammer and I are both fasting, all right, and Austin Brammer, he might be giving up country music and pickups <laughs> and something like that. And I'm, Does that make sense? But here's the point. It doesn't matter what it is you value. doesn't matter what it is. Start. Get started. Just start. Start something. There's no failing, okay? Um, and, then, and then, let me just add to that. Feel free to take, to, to just, if you, if, you, if you haven't been a person that's fasted a lot, start small, all right? Um, sometimes, <laughs> one time our men's accountability group, uh, we, were, we were like, we were like, we're going to go for it. We were meeting at 2 a.m. down at Denny's, and we were like, we're all starting a 40-day fast right now. Everyone around the table. It was like kind of the William Wallace epic moment. And we were like, I'm in, I'm in. Everybody across the table was like, I'm in. We're like, we'll call each other every day. Anyway, we did a 40-day fast in four days. Because <laughs> that was a Thursday night. And by Sunday, we were at a buffet. Um, so my point is, is, that, is that take baby steps, you know? Like, just kind of make a plan. And don't assume you're going to get it all. <laughs> Bob and Lois to destruction. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, and here's another one that I just want to give you. It's just, just another practical point. Um, this is Teacher David, not Preacher David. For me. And that's this. Ask God for grace. Make it a part of your prayer life. God, tomorrow, you know, I'm choosing to fast, whatever the thing is. Um, and I just pray. I just ask for grace. I pray, I pray that you would help me. Um, sometimes I like to pray, you, you, you know, and then you want to thank God afterwards. You want to thank God after it's over. But just actually, we believe God hears our prayers. We believe that our prayers actually matter. One of the great things you can do is just ask God, God, give me, or maybe grace sounds too churchy for you. God, give me strength. God, or just help me. All right? Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to not be hungry. You'll probably still be hungry. All right? I have some people that are like, I don't have any grace. I felt hunger. <laughs> no. Grace is that you actually did it even though you were hungry, all right? Strength was that you made it even though you were starving to death, man, all right? So, um, and then the last thing is this. Uh, every one of us need comrades that encourage us. And so even if you don't talk specifically about what's going on, I, I would encourage you guys to have a, uh, Talk about the things that the Lord's teaching you. Um, you, you want to be careful because you don't want the reward to be lost by declaring it. But there's nothing wrong with, okay, friends, man, I need some help, you know. And um, so I would encourage you in that. Be, have, a, have an accountability group, and I'm talking to the leaders here too. Those of you that are core leaders, have a culture where you talk about fasting. Fast, it does a few things. One, it de demystifies it a little bit. And everybody realizes that everybody is really human, you know? Everybody realizes that every, nobody's really a saint, a super spiritual saint. Everybody struggles. Everybody likes burgers. 
everybody goes through these things, all right? But just talk through it. Kind of demystify it a little bit. Have a culture that talks about it, all right? I just want to pray for you. Uh, if you go, if you just, if you just say tonight, and I'm, I'm counting myself in, but, here, but here's the deal. I, I want us to take a minute, and I want you to think about 2010. You got a month before 2010, six weeks. I want you to just take a minute, you and God, Holy Spirit speaks to us today. And, and you might not hear anything in this moment, but I want you to just ask God, number one, to give you strength to fast, and number two, to ask Him, taking this vow, one day a week, God, what do you want me to give up? What do you want me to fast? Five minutes. I just want to see if anybody. Do you? I just want to do any questions. Any questions that you want to ask? <clears throat> You're like five minutes. If I don't ask them, I'll get so stressed. But does anybody have any questions? You want to just ask real quick about this? Fasting. Yeah. Sure. Um, Any time that we go without something that our body needs or desires or wants or does better with. Um, um, so I would say that sleep definitely could be, um, it's a form, because fasting is voluntary weakness. So if you're going without sleep or something else, um, then that, that definitely would be true. That would be a form of fasting. Um, as far as the methodology, I don't know, maybe staying up later, getting up in the middle of the night or getting up early. I would totally say sleep is 
Obviously, uh, the goal is that the motive of the heart is right. People figuring it out or knowing about it is not the problem. Jesus is addressing the Pharisees here because the Pharisees uh, wanted to be seen. Their prayers, their fasting, their giving. And actually, in Jewish culture, they would, uh, the, all the Greeks would put uh, the oil, these oils on their face every day. And so these Pharisees, these Jews, would not put the oil on their and it was a way of intentionally just kind of showing off to everybody, I'm fasting. Because it was a, a way of showing mourning or whatever. And so the, Jesus is hitting the secret thing hard because the motive of the heart was to be seen. If the motive of the heart is spiritual transformation, is unity, we're doing this together, maybe it's a fast for another person, uh, then the knowledge that other people are fasting is not a problem. Only Jesus knows the heart. Does that make sense? And so I was... Uh, and so this, the, the win is my heart, is my motive is unto God, not nobody finds out. Does that make sense? Say it again. I think, yeah, and, and honestly, and I, I, I have found that some of my, uh, my, my most successful fasts have been with two or maybe three other guys saying, we're going to do this together. Because it forms a degree of accountability. And I've, I'm off by myself, and I've set the fast, you know, with just God, and it's just me and the In-N-Out Burger, I tend to give in. All right? But if I have an awareness, and I have a brother that's doing it as well, um, then it's easier to go, oh, but then I'm going to let those guys down, and we're all praying for this united thing together. And all of a sudden, we're one man down. You know? Uh, so, cool. All right. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. If you're, if you're going to do an extended fast, um, and no guys tend to have this problem. It's mostly girls that do this. Guys rarely attempt long fasts. I don't know why. Girls often try to do the secret, nobody knows fast. One of the things it is good to tell someone, and maybe tell a doctor or whatever, um, I just make it sound bad. Because I am one. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's good to, it's good to like, let your doctor know or whatever. And fasting is actually good for you. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, parentheses, <laughs> if done right and well. Peace and what? Yeah, Christ. Yeah. yeah, but here's the funny thing. Wesley did two days a week, but so did the Pharisees. <laughs> so, Wesley, I'm praising him because I'm hoping his heart was right, which I know it was. But anyway, sorry. Britt Hancock does every other day. We say once a week. I 
I think once a week is, is it, I, well, the, the, every, the, I don't want to put any kind of system that people feel mandated to do. I just want to create a low bar and get people moving forward in it. I think a day feels good. I think when people say, hey, I'm going to fast breakfast, in my view, one meal out of 21 a week is like, the, I don't know. I like saying a day, but if you want to water it down a little bit to um, something, if, if food is too hard, than doing a media fast or something like that. But I like starting with, I like, I like step one being something on Wednesdays or something on Fridays um, more than uh, for the rest of my life I'm done with PlayStation 3. You know, like, let's, uh, and the reason is because I think that if you'll, it's a, it's a, it's a, that day comes around over and over and over again and it's just, it's between you and God and it's just this one day where you're giving up dramatic as a water fast to as small as whatever it might be. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I say I say doing a day is a good start. Something for a day. Yeah. Good point. Uh, th- that was that was another point that I was trying to make that I didn't say about no feeling and fasting. Is if you if you're if you're fasting and there's you know like some chips. Uh, 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 with the person next to you and you eat three of them, all right, don't go, oh, man, I'm done for the day and be on your way, Burger King, and order everything they got and gorge and be like, so bad, so sad I ate those chips. Sweet, you know, no. Uh, just do it as a baby step of, 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 of victory, just like, you know, three chips, and right, I'm back, getting back on the horse, fast isn't over. And I say that's legitimate. I say because before God, it's all about God. It's not about the chips. All right. So <laughs> Dan's like, ooh, everybody just got rice and beans too. I fast every Thursday. I eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, but before God. Um, <laughs> at the core, at the core, this isn't, it's just, it's just between you and God. So you can't, you can't put these big measuring sticks in there and say, this is legit, this isn't. All right, but a lot of people give up because they eat the three chips. Don't do that. If you eat the three chips, just get back up on the saddle and, you know, say, I'm going to make it, you know, until tomorrow morning when I go to Country Buffet for breakfast. All right? Okay. Love you. Bye. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.